Hello, and welcome to another episode of Free and Clear. I'm John Collins, the founder of William Branham Historical Research at william-branham.org. And with me, I have Naomi Wright, the founder of naomiwrightministries.com. And we're asking the difficult questions that people have about religious abuse, breaking them down into simple terms, and helping people to become free and clear. Naomi, how was your break for the holidays? It was good. It was good. Yeah. Um, break for the holidays. I'm like, what break did it? Well, we took a break. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> we took a break, right. I was like, wait, <laughs> remind me of what break I had. Why am I not feeling rested? Um, yeah, no, for everyone who's listening, um, I actually, sorry if you just heard that in the background, I took off a coat that's loud. Um, but I reached out to John a couple weeks ago. I was like, are you ready? I need some fun. <laughs> Let's go back and, and get back on these. Um, so yeah. yeah, we're excited to be back and, uh, do another, do another season for y'all. Absolutely. Mine was bittersweet. I think I've shared this with you, Naomi, but I've not really shared with a lot of people. My... Cousin and best friend passed away in December due to COVID, and ironically, he's a good a good part of the reason why we're doing this. He's the one who helped me through my most difficult times coming out of a cult, and um, back whenever I was in it, <clears throat> he he literally he's the reason I'm I'm still alive today. It, I'll leave it at that and just simply say that he really helped me through some hard times, and. Um, he, I never will forget this. I share this with a lot of people. I think I shared it with you the first time we met, but whenever I was leaving the cult that we were raised in, he, um, he was not a member of it. He'd left it, but yet he was the only person out of my family who was helping me through this dip- difficult time. And I could not reconcile in my brain why he's doing this and he's not quote unquote saved or elite or whatever we called ourselves in the cult, but he was just genuinely a good person. And so I started asking him about what he believed since he was no longer a cult member. And he says, John, I believe the cowboy religion. And I said, what's that, Marcus? And he said, love God, love your neighbors that aren't trying to kill you and be kind to animals. And at the time, I thought he was going to hell because he did not mention the prophet's name in that equation. And the further I get away from what we were in, the more I realize just how true what he said was. Yeah. Yeah, he summarized it really beautifully. Right. So mine was bittersweet. We did have some good times, but I had to take some downtime. I had um, planned on... You know, starting back into the, my podcast, as I had promised in our last episode, and I just I didn't have the heart to do it. Um, instead, I focused on a major website update, and that just rolled out last weekend. So, very exciting stuff. Nice. You're ahead of us. So, yeah, everybody, we are, as John announced, this is Naomi Wright ministries.com um but we were not supposed to be that anymore as of this past monday but for anyone who runs an organization you know that that doesn't usually go as planned so we've been pushed out a bit i just got the final review link for the new website i'm hoping to be able to go through it and finalize any edits by monday and then have the team finish those off um so yeah i'm hoping in the next one to two weeks here we roll out um and for those who are listening i'm going to give you the new name which there are some people, John, who I know are listening to this because I'm in a Discord group with them, and they're right. like, what is it? And so you guys are about to hear it. We are transitioning to Be Emboldened. That is mm, going to be our nice. name. And yeah, thank you. I chose that because it captures the prevention side of things, and it, right. you know, like being strengthened to catch the red flags and not get involved, as well as the strengthening that we look for as we're healing. Um so for us to be emboldened, beemboldened.com is what the new website will be. If you do go to that and you hear this on Monday when it drops and you go to that, it's okay. There's like this, you know, page up that's kind of a, a sheet, you know, what do you call that? Just like a cover up, whatever. Right. You can't coming see behind soon. the curtain. It's yeah. A coming so soon placeholder. Yeah. So you can subscribe on there or whatever if you want to um, so that you'll get right. a notification first when it's live. But yeah, so soon to be, be emboldened. 
Cool. And we've just added the framework for partner channels on william-branham.org. So if you go to my site, there will be, you'll, you'll find some other partners who are soon to be plugging in there, but yours will be one of them. So you can get to your site through my site. Mm-hmm. Which is great. So yeah. yeah, lots of good stuff coming, everyone. We've got some fun projects I'm looking forward to. Awesome. Well, these questions are fun. This one is one that I also enjoy talking about. I'm glad we didn't start with a difficult one, but, um, you know, for some people, I guess this is difficult. I Mm. can remember a time when it was extremely hard for us during some very difficult financial times. So this is something that I think affects a lot of people, but we're discussing tithing and more specifically the cult's abuse of tithing. Um, So I'll get right into it. Our first question, our family just left a very abusive religious church that we believe to be a cult. The pastor preached several sermons about the spiritual and sometimes physical benefits of paying tithe, but it seems that he and his family were the only ones that really saw any benefit from it. While they lived in a nice house and drove nice cars, we struggled to make ends meet. I see tithing mentioned in the Bible, but I don't see the priests living the lives of luxury. Can you explain the difference between tithing in the Bible and tithing in the church that we left? So, John, for this one, I'm going to take a step further back from this question and then bring it back to this question directly um, and look at what is tithing itself and how does that apply today? So the word tithe literally means one-tenth, so it means 10%. Back in the Old Testament, when all this got started, as far as we're aware, that 10% was only one of three donations that at the time were mandated by God. So 10% went to the Levites, who had not yet, you know, they didn't receive land or anything like that, so it was a way of providing for them. They were the guys who officiated at the tabernacle. Then later on, uh, they were similar to ministers uh, once the temple was built, to draw a correlation to today. The Levites themselves gave 10% of the 10% they got to the priests to provide for the priests. Then we had 10% given because our four annual festivals in Jerusalem. Um, people tend to cut this one now because it's not really common practice in Christianity to, to be doing festivals like that. Um, and then every three years, people gave 10% to a central treasury to be given out to those who are in the most need. So to provide for the people who are the, the poorest, the widows, people like that who really needed help, which if you break that down, it would be three and a third a year. Um, again, people tend to cut this one today because we pay taxes, which supposedly provides for all the social needs out there. Now, it definitely provides for some, but as we know, there's gaps. Um, so the total was actually 23 and a third percent annually if we're going to go all the way back to the Old Testament, which I think mm-hmm. is important to note because oftentimes uh, cult groups are leaning on the Old Testament for right. what they're doing. Right. Yeah. So this is not what Jesus then taught in the New Testament, though. Um, Jesus taught very simply, but stressful for some of us who have come out of a cult. Um, He taught to just be generous and be sacrificial and help alleviate the needs of others. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's no fixed percentage. Um, And really, we're going to be held accountable for those of you who... um, believe in Christianity and believe that you'll stand before Christ one day and and have a conversation, um, we're we're accountable for what we do with 100%. It's kind of this belief that none of it's really ours, you know, it's his. And so how do we use it? And so it's not like, oh, I can give 10% and then go do whatever I want. Like, you know, how do I use it well? And then here's where it gets stressful, though, because when we've gone from something that's so calculated and so regimented where we feel like, okay, I did this and this, and so I'm good, I'm covered. And then we lose that and we're told just be generous. Like, well, that's actually can be worse because (laughs) how do I fulfill that requirement? Right. Um, So I wanted to also point out uh, one passage in scripture. It's 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. I'm going to read it for you real quick. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. 
command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I think this is so beautiful because it's telling us that we get to enjoy as well while also being a good steward and giving of our surplus. So we're not under the old covenant anymore. We must know how the new fulfilled the old and move on to the New Testament with um, how we're thinking through some of these things. My point then in response to this question is you can enjoy things, you can take a nice vacation, you can have a nice car, but absolutely not at the expense of other people who are not actually giving out of their surplus. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So instead yeah. they're giving what they need to survive. If you're struggling to make ends meet, then you're not, then you're giving beyond your means. Like you're right. not actually being generous. You're you're putting your family and their housing and their food in, in question. Um If you're giving 10% and you still have a lot of money to burn, then maybe you're not being generous enough. And so that's really um, a heart gauge for yourself. Right. I think you should stress the word surplus because a lot of these Mm -hmm. cults don't tithe you on the surplus or the excess that you make. They they want you to pay 10% of everything that you get, everything that comes Mm -hmm. in. Um, There are a lot of people who are in these types of cults that are still hung up on the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, it's very difficult to, when you've been programmed this way, to understand the difference. And one of the things that helped me, as with everything that helps me, is to study the history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Learn not just the history of the Jews in the Old Testament, but think of the culture, the times, what would it have been like while you were paying tithe? And I mean, think of it. There were no shopping malls. You did not give some priest money so that he and his children could go buy jewels at the, at the local mall, right? No. There's, no, there's nothing like this. You're out in the middle of the wilderness. Money had no value. If you had money, it was usually to spend to buy food, but there was more trade than there were coins unless you were you know, in, inside of the civilization, the bigger civilizations like Egypt or... you know. Um, the Romans, they had some coins they, they could trade, but the Israelites really, there were no coins. There was no need for it. They were nomads. And what's interesting is if you just take a step back from all of this, take a step back from what you've been trained to believe scripturally about tithe and the Old Testament, Old Covenant, etc., and just think about logic. Think about the Sabbaths. So these people... The tithing was also animals. You could tithe your animals, you could tithe, you know, food, grain, etc. And the priest would put it into a store, into like a, a bank. You could call it a banking system because on the seventh day, nobody worked. So you go to the bank, you go to the store, and everybody received from it, but they kept a portion back in case there was famine, etc., Every seventh week, there was a Sabbath week. Every seventh month, there was a Sabbath month. At the end of all of this, after 49 years, there was what's called the year of the Jubilee. And whatever was left over after these 49 years was given back to the people, except for just a small percentage that the priest could live out his days. So you did not have priests driving the Cadillac camel. <laughs> you know, they were, they were basically creating a banking system to help the people. And once I started to realize this, taking it a step further logically, what does God care about money? God doesn't want your money. He wants you to take your money and to help somebody else who needs money. So tithing, that's a good reason that it transitioned to cheerful giving under the new covenant, because you had people that desperately needed money for food or, you know, it wasn't even money. They just needed food. And you had some people who were a little bit more wealthy that could help provide. So as a community, everybody came together to help everybody. Yeah. And John, I mean, I've been asked questions before more specifically, like, Oh, I saw the the financials, the general financial breakdown of my church last year, and mm-hmm. it just seems like leadership's getting paid really well. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I mean, it also does depend, though, because if you're in a community that do, does really well, you're in a very affluent community, mm-hmm. and that's where you're serving, and people are, as long as you're you're still giving for missions and you're still, I don't think that anyone who's a teacher out there 
should be just barely making it. Right. Just because right. of their title, if everyone around them is great and, and rolling in their money. I mean, mm-hmm. I think we can equalize that a bit, you know? Right. Um, so I don't feel like pastors have to be poor, um, but they're going to be poor if their people are poor. They sure as hell shouldn't be doing better than their <laughs> congregation is doing. Right. You know, it's funny. It's not. This is not a problem that's limited to the cult churches, right? Mm-hmm. We left the cult churches, and we tried a few different churches while we were transitioning. And one of the churches was, you could call it a mega church. It wasn't really a mega church, but it was very large. And the pastor preached this awesome new covenant grace doctrine for like six sermons. And then one, after after telling everybody that we're no longer the, under the old covenant, the seventh sermon, he actually stood up and said, today I'm going to preach something that's going to make a lot of you uncomfortable. We're going to talk about tithe. And started preaching that we're under the old covenant and you must give 10%. And I'm like, what just happened? And um, so he's preaching tithe. Well, in non-culture, actually in all churches, they're, they are required by law to provide a breakdown of where their money goes. The difference between modern church, between mainstream churches and cult churches is you can just go right to the front wall and you can pick up a pamphlet that tells you where the money goes. So I headed out of the, I headed out of the sermon early. I didn't even listen to the whole thing. I went and I grabbed one and I see millions of dollars, man, millions of dollars coming into this thing in so much that they had enough excess, they were about to lose their nonprofit status. And so towards the end, as I'm walking out, the guy's talking about, and we've got this, we're on fire by God to plant this new church over a new campus over in another city. Well, yeah, he's about to lose his nonprofit status. They're planning a new church, and the new church is going to cost more than the excess they have. So let's collect more ties to solve this problem. Mm -hmm. Such a big, big mess. And, you know, it's again, it's not a problem limited to the cults, but the difference is transparency. You can, I'll I'll give you another example. We went to another small church. I picked up their pamphlet of their, you know, their packet of where their money goes right down to the toilet paper. You can see every itemized line item of where their expenses goes. In ours, we had in our cult church before we left, there was one sign on the wall that said, we made such and such, we spent such and such. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was their idea of transparency. <laughs> yeah, I mean, standardly, I think people at least have categories, you know, kind mm-hmm. of like if you were in QuickBooks or something like that, and you've got these different yeah. categories. And then you can ask for more if you want, but usually you'll at least see that published on an annual basis in a mainstream church. If you don't, you're always welcome to ask for it. Right. Um, but again, I do caution people to get more information on what those numbers are for, um, because I know, you know, and John, I'm sure you do too, from like running your own thing and, uh, running organizations before and stuff. There's usually things that just aren't thought of that fall into those categories, like toilet paper. (laughs) People forget Mm. that you have to buy things (laughs) like toilet paper. Um, so I always say like exercise some caution first, like get your questions answered. But I think it's a it's a good area to check out for any of you out there who are looking into a church. Um, and something yeah. that's funny to me, John, if someone preaches uh, instead of because I do think that generosity should be taught. I think it is something that needs to come up in sermons. I think we need to talk about being generous and it's not just giving to the church, but generous in general, people in your community, friends and family who are struggling, just generosity in general. I think that should be taught from the pulpit. Um, Whenever someone's like 10%, I'm like, oh, man, I was going to give you 45 (laughs) this year. You just missed out, man. I guess you're just getting 10. (laughs) Right. All right. Next question. In the church we attend, the pastor preaches an entire sermon on tithing every few months. He says that we should be paying 10% of our gross income before taxes, not just on the money we receive. I disagree. I say let the government pay tithes on what they earned, and I'll pay tithes on what I earn. Do you agree? Okay, so John, this question kind of made me laugh because I'm like, I don't really agree with either side of that discussion, which might not be the answer you're excited, but here's why. Um, So in a way, some of that money that you're paying in taxes is being used to help support social programs. So an argument could be made 
I don't know how good it would be at the end of the day, but an argument could be made that the government does pay tithe, so to speak. It's not necessarily 10%. And again, tithe means 10%. But Mm -hmm. um, the government does pay money. But then you could also make an argument that your taxes were tithe money in some form. You'd be like, well, if I'm paying 25% in taxes and they're taking some of that for these social programs, maybe it was 10% and I'm already done, you know, because it's going towards welfare programs and things like that. Um, so that that does get tricky. It gets messy again. It would be a fun conversation to me to have with this person if they were <laughs> about, you know, all for getting super intellectual about it. I think it would be fun to kind of think it through. Um, but again, I disagree with the 10% to begin with, like we already discussed. This right. isn't about hitting a specific marker, checking a box. And so whatever's generous for you, out of the funds you actually receive. So I do believe it needs to be out of the funds you actually receive because if you're trying to do 10% off a bigger amount, again, you might then be struggling for your family. Mm-hmm. Um, and struggling could be, I can't pay for childcare. Um, my kid's growing and needs new clothes. Like it's not just, oh my goodness, I have to have a roof and I have to have, I have to be eating the 50 cent pasta every day and I never eat a fresh vegetable or, or piece of fruit. You know, um, I think we need to have reasonable expectations about our health and quality of life here. So if we're doing it before taxes, I'd be concerned for families. I'd be concerned for my right. own family. Right. Um, so after taxes, um, I think whatever you want to give to whatever church, parachurch, suffering friend, suffering family member you're communing with, um, again, it's about being generous. And John, when you think about that, do you can you remember back to when you were making your exit? And not having those rules and regulations. I mean, for me, that was stressful. There was a different level of accountability just for me personally. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes up. Yeah. And in the studies that I've done, and I'm no psychologist, but in the studies that I've done in psychology, the cult, the way that the cult abuse is structured it, it almost makes it like you're the reprimanded child and you start to start, you know, start to see the leaders as these father figures, mother figures, etc. And they're just beating you down. So you're seeing like <laughs> the bad side of the father and the mother and they're giving all of these rules that are oppressive. Well, after you leave, the the child in you wants to reach out to the father and mother you just left and start to reconnect with these rules because that was your link to them through these rules, tithing being one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, this question, I also had to laugh too, because I, I disagree with both halves of this also, but it, it's actually came up with multiple people, not just one. And the first time that it came up, this was from a person who was quite wealthy. So it, I found, you know, back then it was just something to consider. But now that I'm away from this, I find it even funnier that this came from a person who had a lot of money and just didn't want to give so much to the cult, right? And what's interesting, you mentioned this briefly at the end of the first question, but I've also had to take a step back and rethink the whole church, tithe, cheerful giving, etc. in general as something that was completely programmed in my head the wrong way. And what is it? And for a church to function, it really has to function like a business. And if you're not a business person, it's really difficult to grasp this, but there are expenses and it costs a lot of money. It costs money to keep the lights on. If you want to, you know, if you're in a hot area of the United States and they want to air condition the place, it costs a lot of money to run the air conditioners. It doesn't cost what the church, what the people are giving in 10% of their total income, however. If you think logically in numbers, if every person in the congregation is paying 10%, every 10th person is a full salary. And if you've got 500 people in this church, you've got 50 salaries coming in that goes to a person who's on, who basically gives a little speech on Sunday and sometimes on Wednesday. All he's doing is giving a speech, he's getting this money, and he's telling you you're giving it to God. Well, what's God doing with it? If it's not going to the church, now not all of them are this way. Some of them do help people, but in almost every cult church that I have investigated or been part of, the, it usually goes to the family of the pastor and, and some of his elite. So you have to think of it as, as a business. 
what is the business doing? What is it providing for the people? And in contrast, just uh, even if you're in a cult and you're not ready to leave, just go visit another church and watch how it works. Just investigate how the people, whenever they give money, what happens to it? You can, you can freely ask the pastors this, and you'll find that in a healthy church, there are people who are in need, who really can't afford, you know, even to live. The things that we take for granted, there are people that can't even afford the basic necessities. And that's why this system is established, so that the people who do have some excess, they give to the pastor. The pastor determines who's needy and gives it to the needy, and the needy person can put food on their table. All right, next question. After leaving a cult, I really struggle with church. I've attended a few services at other churches, and each time I do, I feel triggered. Because of this, I'm no longer paying any tithes, and I don't want God to punish me. Where should I send my money? Mm. Yeah, this one makes me sad. This question makes me sad, and I completely get where it's coming from. I think I also just really resonate with the, I struggle with church and I feel triggered when I go, which is a whole other mm. conversation. But for right. anyone listening where that resonates with you too, I am right there. Like, I get it. <laughs> you are not on your own. Um, there's a lot of valid reasons for that. But as far as where you should send your money, is God even going to punish you? Again, we're called to be generous. We're called to give of our surplus to whatever organization or individual you choose. So if you feel wrecked by a homeless individual in your neighborhood, give to them. If you see a GoFundMe for a family friend who lost their house in a fire, give to them. If you're passionate about suffering children overseas, provide monthly support for their care and education. I mean, there's so many different charitable organizations that you can support out there. And so if something impacts you and you just really feel like, gosh, that that affects me, um, maybe not directly personally, but it really impacts my heart. Like I really care about this population, then, then give to support that. Um, what's important is that you share what you have with those who are in need. And again, out of your surplus, it's not, in, you don't have to give specifically to a church. Now, I would say for someone who, and maybe we're going to get to this in another question, so I might be jumping the gun here, John, but um, if, if you are attending a church, I would say if you're going there and you're receiving from them and you're using their toilet paper, <laughs> but you're also, you're receiving teaching from them, you're, you're going to the potluck or your whatever, your kids are in the youth program, I think it's, it would be a good thing to consider providing towards those services that your family is utilizing. Right. Um, but if you're not attending a church, support something out there. And something that's always been really important to me since I started this journey of what do I do with surplus, um, it's always been really important to me to be able to help people that I just come, I cross paths with throughout my right. life, you know? And so I'm like, that's mattered to me. Like I've just, there was a time where my husband and I, where we were working, there was a homeless community who had relocated, you know, they're constantly getting kicked out of where they are and have to move on. And they had relocated um, down in this ravine area from the warehouse we were working out of. And it just, it was getting so cold in Denver that time of year um, at night, really, really just frigid. Um, and so we went out and we bought them those like negative 35 degree sleeping bags um, and a tent and brought them coffee. And um, that cost us several hundred dollars. And it was just something that we felt so convicted by in that moment when we saw them. We're like, this isn't okay. Like they could literally freeze to death. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was a way that we gave that month and I didn't track it. I wasn't like, Oh, $300 was that 10%. <laughs> you know, it might've been over that month. I don't know. It didn't matter. Yeah. It was specific to the need that we saw. Yeah. I can remember the calculators and the Excel files. There was a lot of work finding this 10%. You know, I got this money from my mom for Christmas. Now I've got to, you know, <laughs> it was, it was such a big mess, but you know, I, I sympathize too with a person who's struggling there with the triggers. It takes years to overcome that, and some people, you know, unless you really address those triggers, it will they will continue. Mm -hmm. You have to really work at rewiring those triggers and and associating them with happy memories instead of what we had. But 
the whole punishment thing that we were so manipulated to believe in not even the Christian God. We, we literally believe the pagan God who's demanding, the one who's demanding child sacrifice. Uh, obviously, we were not sacrificing our children, but we, we were trained and manipulated to believe that the Christian religion had a God that had this evil narcissistic nature. And he was so demanding that he wanted your money. And we never stopped and thought, well, what does he do with money? What does God do with money? And it's because the pastors were taking the money, and, and in most cases for themselves. When we left, and I took a step back from all of this and tried to understand, I found that one of the things that helped me was simply just reading the book of Hebrews. Hebrews addresses the new covenant, the transition from the old covenant, and back in the Old Testament days when there was tithe, you gave the tithes to the priest, and the priest distributed. Well, in according to Hebrews, we have a new high priest, and the new high priest is Jesus. Well, you can't just give your money to Jesus, but he's wanting to give, wanting you to give it to the poor and needy. A good place to do that is a church, because the church can help distribute it, but the church is not the only place that can distribute it. Not only that, you may have the means to distribute it yourself. One of the churches that we went to after leaving the cult I did not fully trust the ministers, and I didn't trust where the money was going. And at the same time, there was a member of the congregation that went through an extreme hardship. Her husband did some very awful things to her children and got put in prison. So she had, she had some children. She had a job that did not even cover the rent in her apartment, but yet had to feed them, had the car payments, multiple, um, health, medical bills, school, all of this. She had more money, more money at the end of the week than she had money coming in during the week, more expenses at the end of the week than money coming in. And we just started paying our excess to her and started helping her get back on her feet. It's a double-edged sword, obviously, because there are some situations where people will abuse this and they'll just try to live off of your excess, which is why the church makes a good buffer. But there's also times when you don't need a buffer. You just give it to the person who needs it. That is cheerful giving. That is, that is the reason, the foundational reason why the tithing system exists to help the people in need. Mm. Yeah, I agree. And I've definitely done... My family's done a mix of both. You know, we we personally, we support a couple of children in another country. Um, that's something that I can't say I don't care about, but it's not something that I get really fired up about. Um, but mm-hmm. my husband does. And I'm like, well, of course, that's important and it's a good cause. And so let's do it. Yeah. Um, I tend to get more impacted by what I see going on, like right where I am. Right. Um, and so just, yeah. So he and I have had conversations about, well, how do we kind of distribute this um among the the different causes yeah that we really care about and are passionate about and um when we are regularly attending a church and becoming a part of that congregation you know what is our contribution there and Mm -hmm. i really liked um there's a church that my husband it's the church where he accepted christ when he was 17 and actually was close to where we ended up buying our house a couple years ago so we had started attending there again before we moved and um they actually taught themselves a five and five so Mm. they still kind of went off the 10 percent, which again is isn't necessary but they were trying to help their congregation you know have just kind of a an idea formula of something to kind of jump off of so they weren't they weren't cultish about it (laughs) it was more of hey here's kind of here's kind of your launching point but don't even give us all 10 give us half of what you're going to give and then support other things that are important out there. And Hey, here's even a list of ideas, you know, and right. But do the, send the other half to other places because we don't need to be the only ones supporting missionaries or supporting nonprofits or supporting right. charities or supporting <clears throat> your neighbor. You know, you guys can do that. And it's, it's, um, I would honestly say like, it can be fun. <laughs> right. You know, you could, you could get your kiddos involved and be like, Hey, for this chunk, we're going to pick the, the names off the tree at Christmas time and, and give some kiddos yeah. in town presents who wouldn't get anything. Like it, it really is a, a joyful experience um, to right. give to others. It's, it can be fun. It's great to get the whole family involved. 
Yeah. And I should mention tithing again. Tithing in the Old Testament wasn't money because money had no value. There were other things that did have values. And I, I jokingly said this, but I'm, I'm actually wanting somebody to try it. One of the first person who asked me about tithes in the, you know, when they left the cult or people who are even thinking about leaving the cult. And these pastors are preaching so heavily, Old Testament is still black and white. We must do it exactly. There is no new covenant. We're under the Old Testament. Well, the Old Covenant says to give the, give the priest a goat. So take a goat to your pastor and see what oh, he's see it. if he see if he will take it. But I said that jokingly, but I, I was actually leading to a point. It's not just about the money. We were taught, we were so manipulated into believing incorrectly that we can make somebody else rich that we weren't. We were missing the underlying reason why this exists. We're following following the letter of the law and not you know the reason of the law that it. Yeah, that it was established. And my, uh, my cousin, who I told you about at the beginning of the show, one of the things that he used to do is during national tragedies, whenever it be a series of wildfires, he would hop on a plane and go spend a week fighting a, a wildfire. Mm. And you don't think of that as cheerful giving or tithe when you're manipulated to believe the, the way that we did as a cult. But in a mainstream church, what he did is very much cheerful giving, very much tithe. And logically, the money that he would have earned while not fighting these fires, he, he literally was donating what he didn't earn. So, yeah, it's not, it's not technically giving a, a good, but it is giving a service. So there are things that you can do to help the needy, like uh, some, somebody who's crippled go mow their lawn. There are so many ways that you can help people that really doesn't have to even rely on money, even if you don't have money to give. Mm. Yeah, John, that just that just hit in a really personal way because, um, for example, a struggle my husband are, and I are having right now, having recently relocated and just where we're at overall um, in life at the moment. Um, if someone came to me and said, hey, I'm going to give you, I'm going to tithe to you $100 a month, be like, okay, if they instead said, hey, I don't have extra funds, but I can come hang out with your son twice a month and let you and your husband have some quality time together, Absolutely. I would probably start weeping. Absolutely. Because it's just, it's not something we've had in six months now since we've relocated. Like we don't get to have that because we don't have that kind of support where right. we currently are. Um, it doesn't cost anyone anything financially, but it is a resource. It's their time. Yeah. And someone's time is important. Right. Um, so yes, absolutely. And we've had many times where that's what we give is, hey, I, I don't have money to help, but I can make extra for I have leftovers from this meal. I'm going to be crockpotting and your family's struggling. <laughs> I'll do a meal drop off, you right. know, take some pressure right. off. So yeah, I love that. Yeah, and you don't, as a businessman, I see it more than most people. I, I know the average person doesn't, isn't thinking in this way, but every every minute that I go spend helping somebody is a minute that I could actually be billing because I'm a consultant. So I'm actually giving money when I go help somebody. And mm -hmm. all the services that I do cost me because I can't be billing a client while I'm doing them. The businessmen, businesswomen understand this. The people who aren't, Think of the, you mentioned the food, the crock pot. So you had to buy the food. You had to run the electricity, run the crock pot. There's actually money involved mm -hmm. if you're still hung up on the money thing. But what I'm trying to say is move past the money thing and think about just helping people. <clears throat> That's great. Next question. My husband passed away last year, and I'm now working two jobs to feed our children and put them through school. I want to pay my tithes, but my bills are almost more than the money that I earn. When I do have a little extra money and I pay my tithes, it seems like there's always another big bill coming in that I can't pay. What do I do? Stop it. <laughs> Stop giving so much. Again, give what you can. Pray for continued provision and be willing to receive. Um, right. And that's that's a new part we haven't brought up yet, but be willing to receive. And this sounds like a really tough time in your life and a time when you could receive some support for yourself. So you should not be putting yourself into debt. Um, 
putting your family into a critical situation or position. And, you know, we talk so much about giving and we have some incredibly beautiful examples in scripture of people who essentially had nothing and still gave in just really precious ways. And so maybe for you, giving is something like watching someone's child for a couple hours so they can get some rest, you know, a new mom who's exhausted. And that that's mm-hmm. how you give is you give a couple hours of your time when you're home with your kiddos anyway, or um, just as an example. But it's also there are seasons where we really need to be willing to receive that. That requires a humility of another kind. Um, but when people want to step forward and say, hey, we want to help out because we know this is a tough season. I, w- I would hope that you would be open to that um, because it's a way that others get to be generous and it's nice to be able to give someone the opportunity to be generous and to have that right. joy of giving while it's helping a genuine need for your own family. Right. And back under the Old Testament tithing system, you know, like I said, you could tithe the goat. Well, there were some people who got hit hard with famine or whatever, and they may not have had a goat. So somebody, the priest may have given them the goat. The system exists to help the people who are in need, not to just squeeze every drop that you can out of the people in need. I remember when I first started, when I first started helping people after leaving cult, I got all of these people excited. They wanted to help me help the cult members. And one of them was in a cult, not the one that we came out of, but he was in a different one here locally. And this person, after, you know, after working with me a few years and helping me, et cetera, his pastor was also doing the same thing to him, you know, trying to squeeze every drop out. The guy had no money coming in at one point. He was really struggling. And he wanted to borrow money from me to pay tithes to him. And he didn't come out and say that's what he was doing with it. But after a few conversations with his family members, I started to understand what was going on. He was so manipulated to believing that, number one, God would punish him if he didn't give this 10%. But number two, a lot of these ministers manipulate you by saying, if you don't have money, it's probably because you're not paying tithes. Watch watch when you give a little bit of tithes. Watch the money come in. It'll just magically appear. God will provide if you give to God. And they don't realize they're not giving to God. They're giving to this man in his Cadillac. So you you have to understand that the system exists to help the people in need, not to squeeze from them. And sometimes you might be the person in need, and it's nothing to feel bad about. This I personally have gone through severe financial hardships at points of time where I did not see any way that our family was going to keep food on the table. I was a person who needed tithe, and unfortunately I was in a cult which gave none. <laughs> so you, you really have to, you have to open yourself up to being helped, like you said, but also think about you know, ways in which you can, you can help people if you are in this situation, like you said, you know, babysit or do do something to help another person that isn't financially structured. Yeah. And John, I just want to, I want to even make this simpler then, because maybe you're like, well, I'm working two jobs and I've got kids and like, I'm exhausted already. I've had seasons where giving was texting a friend who I knew was struggling, even though right, I was exhausted right. and I just wanted to go to bed being like, no, I'm going to send her a message and I'm going to actually pray for her. And that's, that's how I can give right now. Um, and I think that that's a really beautiful thing that we can do right. for people that doesn't, doesn't really cost us anything. Right. All right. Last question. <clears throat> there are several people in our church that struggle financially Our family is blessed financially, and both my wife and I have good-paying careers. When I pay our tithes to the pastor, who seems to be doing well for himself, it feels awkward. So many others need money so much more. When we try to save some extra, giving giving the pastor 10% and then helping some of the other families when we can, I feel that the church should be helping these families and the burdens, and and this burden should not be on our shoulders. What should we do? This question is really interesting to me. So in mainstream churches, donations don't just go to the pastor. 
Um, the pastor and the rest of the leadership team, they have salaries, they have annual reviews like any other job. Mm-hmm. Um, the pastor doesn't make all the decisions because there's an elder board or a board of directors essentially that oversees and approves the budget. So the donations are spread out to, to help those in need to support mission work, um, as well as to support church programming, building costs, salaries, things like that. So the church should be helping. And if that's not your church's structure, and if they're not helping, that's that's a problem in and of itself. Um, but you could choose to divide your giving instead. That would be a suggestion I would have. So like that model I told you, that idea of like a five and five model. Now, again, I don't believe in a 10% model to begin with. So it doesn't have to be five and five. This is just to give you an example. But maybe you're in a season of life where you're like, Basically, month to month, if I'm looking at my budget, I have a a 5% out of my surplus that that I feel like I can give. Well, maybe you divide that in a half half and you do 2.5 and Mm 2.5. I know someone right now who's now retired. There have been times where he's given 10%. There's been seasons with kiddos in college where he's given 3 to 5%. And right now he's giving 40% of Mm. what his family brings in every year because they just have that much surplus. They don't have any bills anymore. The mortgage is paid off. The kids are gone. Like, so they're able. So whatever that looks like for you, this idea of splitting it in half or 30, 70, whatever you want to do, Um, but giving some to your church and then some to someone or something else. So this way you're supporting the work at the local church that you're attending, um, but you're also having the freedom to support those directly that you care about. Um, Again, I am of the opinion that if you're attending a church using the building and drinking from the water fountain and all that stuff, (laughs) listening to the music and teaching, um, then you should consider giving some financial support to that nonprofit. Um, And I just, I want to end my comment on this, John, before I hand it over to you. If you don't think that they should be getting any of your money, then you should probably reconsider your attendance there because (laughs) that's a sign that you don't support what they're doing or how they're doing it. And you don't think they're acting with integrity. So that's a big flag for you to consider what you're doing. (laughs) It's it's interesting. I, I, growing up, I think I mentioned this before, we went to several different cult churches um, from coast to coast, Arizona to South Carolina. <clears throat> and there were some churches that I really didn't trust the pastor. There was no way that I was going to give him my money because I could see exactly what that money was used for. Yeah. And what's interesting is I was not alone in this. There are a large number of people that give to the cult headquarters organization because they don't trust the pastors at the churches they're going to. And interestingly, we never, we were so blinded that we never saw this as a problem. We're in the cult, everybody's happy, we don't trust them, but we're going to give our money to this other place. And yet I'm still going to go to this church for this guy that I don't trust, right? Mm -hmm. And it really comes down, this question really comes down to, is your church a healthy church? If you were... Red Cross. Red Cross does a wonderful thing for a lot of people. It helps a lot of people globally. If you were donating to the Red Cross and you had a question as to whether the found the the single person who is the CEO or whatever of the Red Cross is the one who's getting all of the money that you're giving, would you continue giving to the Red Cross? Absolutely not. You would want to see where, you know, the fruits of your of the money, what you're spending. Your example that you gave of helping children in other countries, I'm too skeptical to even do that because <laughs> there I understand the business structure. It costs money to run an operation like this. If I give you a dollar, the child on the other end's not getting a dollar. It has to go through the expenses, et cetera. You might be giving thirty cents. I don't know what it is. But I don't know, I don't have their sheet of expenses. What if it's only two cents? What if I just gave you a dollar, you know, $100, and only $2 of that went to the child? Is it really worth it? So I, I'm too big of a skeptic to do this. And if I'm in a church where I'm skeptical that the pastor or any of the leadership are misusing funds, this is not only grounds for me to leave, but this is grounds to open up an IRS investigation in this place. You know, this, this is illegal what they're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's not right. Um, and again, not all of the cult churches are like that. There are some who actually give generously. The ones that I have been involved with and the ones that I've looked at their tax papers are not. So you have to be very cautious where you're giving your money. And also this... 
disclaimer, it's not only in cult churches. There are other churches that have this problem. But it comes down, the, the simple answer is, find out if your church is a healthy church. Look online, you can find a thousand different articles about what makes a healthy church, is your church healthy, and you can see the attributes of a healthy church. And if it doesn't meet the criteria, then absolutely question whether you should give your money to them. Yeah, I think if I didn't want to give my money to the church that I was letting pour into me and teach me and teach my children... Yeah, that's incongruent, guys. So really think about that. Really think about what that means for you. And and maybe it's that you should be more co- comfortable giving money. It's more likely that you're probably better off maybe looking for a different church. Um, and for sure, for those of you who have already um, made changes in where you're attending, and you know some of these questions were more, I'm not attending somewhere, so what do I do? Um, but for those of you who are investigating what I usually refer to as mainstream churches, um, one of the denominations, many denominations of the mainstream church world versus the cult world, um, yeah, get, ask some good questions. Um, it's important to feel comfortable with what you're doing and something that you have not been taught is that asking questions is okay and that's something we want to break down we want to change that we want you to get really comfortable asking questions because that's how you're going to get information and that's how you're going to be able to assess the information and make an an educated decision and again that's a whole paradigm shift in and of itself to say hey start transitioning to a culture within your household within your family and your interactions with people of asking questions right Well, this was fun. I look forward to next week, Naomi. If you have questions that you'd like to hear answered on our show, please send them to us. You can contact us on the contact page of 